good morning everybody we are kind of doing something new on Sunday mornings now that we're going to be able to resume our in-person gatherings on the evening we want our approach to Sunday mornings to be more of a conversation and so we're excited to do this but this is our first time so we may hit some glitches along the way in fact as we have this conversation Jonathan is actually engineering this whole thing live and so well, hopefully everything is going to go uh, go well. I'm trying. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So, a couple of things this morning. First, we want to thank you so much for joining us. It's so good to see all of you. We got some really exciting things to share as we go through this today. And then, I want to encourage you to have your Bible with you. That'll be really important as we uh, study today because we're going to actually open the Word of God uh, together. And so we're going to be responding. Uh, we're asking you guys to just have a conversation with us. In fact, as we're going along, we're going to try to watch your your conduct, uh, your conduct, your <laughs> your comments, and try to have a conversation. And if you have questions about anything that we talk about, you know, just let us know. We can't respond to all of them, but we really want this to be um, having a conversation. So today we're going to talk about winning and how we as a church would define success and so I want you to take a moment and think about this and I, we want you to share your comments so if, if we were to say what does winning look like for the church what would that be so how in other words how would we define success in the church I want you to give some thought to that answer and then just write your answer like if, if Village Park just use our church if Village Park is winning then that looks like this now, when we think about winning in other areas of life, like football, for example, or sports, if you score more points or runs than the other team, then obviously you won. And so that, you know, it's really simple to define success. And obviously the Texans have not defined, they may have defined winning, but, Houston team. <laughs> but uh, actually doing it is, is a completely different story. Uh, but in your career, we would define success in different ways. We'd say, well... Um, you know, if I got promoted, that's that's success or that's a win. Or, you know, if I'm very productive, I produce what I've been hired to do, that would be a success for us. Or maybe financially, you get a raise or something, that would be success, you know, right? You, you kind of make those. And then think about marriage. How would we define the win in marriage? Well, defining the year, you know, win in marriage would be, you know, are you happily married? How many years have you been together? So we look at these other areas of our lives and we said that's how you define winning. In sports, it's score more. In career, it's promoting. Um, and then, you know, maybe in your marriage, it's happiness and that, that kind of stuff. But what does winning look like in the church? That's what we're going to talk about today. So we've got a few responses, and uh, both we're looking at comments from both Facebook and YouTube today. So if you're on either, uh, feel free to share. Um, you see, Diane Hudson said, "Not killing Clint." Not, that, that's a that's a win. <laughs> Uh, we also have uh, bringing people to know Christ. Okay. Um, winning equals reaching new people with the gospel. Yeah, and I think that's that's pretty common. I think you know, like people define success. Okay, a, a church is successful if we are um, winning them, evangelizing, right? And that's something that even the churches I was raised in, that was really in a lot of ways how you defined it was how many people have we won to Christ this year and baptized, right? Um, and then I've seen other, other ways that churches define success. Some of them would say, well, we, we would define success by how many people were there on Sundays. And so I remember even being in staff meetings where it's like, that's, that was the metric by which you measure success. And I don't think it's mutually exclusive, you know, success may lead to more numbers, but that was how 
I've seen it, you know, done in churches is, well, how many people attended on Sunday? Well, and I think early on when uh, we first planted Village Park, we, we, we tried to celebrate as many wins as possible. Mm -hmm. I remember, uh, like you said, baptism, number in attendance, uh, how many small groups we had, all those kind of things. But it, but it, it does kind of become a numbers game in, in some ways. Yeah, and I'm seeing some others, uh, Charles saying, leading people to become disciples of Jesus, which I think is good. And then Donna saying, loving people the way that Christ loves us. And I think that's good as well. Those are those are good things. You know, I've seen in churches as well, like it's not just the size of the crowd, but it's the money in the bank. I, I sometimes will talk, have conversations with pastors and a bit, you know, inevitably it comes up like, how's your church doing? And, and they'll say, oh man, we, it was great. We had a good day on Sunday. We had blank number of people and we had a really good offering. Right, and so that's kind of the metric by which some people do, and then other people they might define success in the church by the number of buildings or the square footage, how how big is your property, and those kind of things. Um, but and one other thing that we've seen within the church, well now, yeah, yeah, is COVID, yeah. right? And uh, you know how many how many online views have we had of the message? Views, right? shares, likes, engagement. And I joke with a metric of, <laughs> of rating the church. And I joke with it. You know, it's it's hard to understand all the algorithms of Facebook and other online platforms. But sometimes it can be they jump on for three seconds, and that's considered a view. Mm -hmm. And so I've heard pastors say like, "Man, we had nine hundred. and I'm like, "Bro, they just saw like three seconds of your video as they scrolled by, right?" Yeah. And so. Yeah, there's lots of different ways that churches, you know, kind of define success. But the question we're really kind of pushing at today is, what does real success, you know, look like in the church? Right? And we all have different ideas about that. But what does that really look like for us? Um, and so that's what we want to help us define as a church today as we talk about, as we get into this idea of discipleship. And what I would say is this, and I want you guys to remember this, the problem with measuring our success um, with these typical standards of size of the crowd, money in the bank, uh, number of buildings, is that it creates an unhealthy and an unholy mindset. And that mindset is comparison. Mm -hmm. So what we'd say is, well, if, if there's a church that's larger than mine in terms of number of attendees, well, that church is obviously more successful. Or if this church's offerings are, are better, you know, they're more successful. Or property, you know, and, and I joked about like, if it's by property, we're a miserable failure because oh. our stuff keeps getting stolen. I mean, it's, it's so crazy, right? And, um, but, but you and I talking about it earlier that some, I've been, you know, in churches around the world in some of the poorest communities yeah. that you can even imagine. So their offerings wouldn't be great, but yet their churches are successful because the metric by which they measure success is not money in the bank, right? I mean, it, it, it's something else. And so I think as we look to this and try to answer the question of winning and what does it look like, it's to go to the words of Jesus. Yeah. He's the founder of the church. It's his church. And let's let him speak to us. So if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to have it ready because we're going to be reading here in just a moment. But in Christianity, we have what has been coined the Great Commission. And that's where Jesus speaks to his church and he tells the church very directly, this is what I established the church for. This is what you're supposed to be doing. And in his words, what we do is we understand his vision for the church. And then he defines what success looks like for us. Because when I think about our church, for example, is our church successful? How are we going to define that? If it's by the size of the building, we don't have a building. If it's by property, we don't have any property, right? If it's by money in the it's bank. It's not looking good. <laughs> yeah, if, we, if it's by money in the bank, 
our offerings maybe aren't as big, you know, and large. So how are we going to define success? And it's not about what you and I think or what anybody else thinks. It's really ultimately about what Jesus thinks, right? And so we're going to read the five commissions of the church this morning. So if you have your Bible, the first one, Jonathan's going to read this one is John chapter 20 in verse 21, but go ahead. And so what we, what we want to do today, like, like Robbie kind of shared, we're, we're having a conversation. We're talking about discipleship. This is kind of a new series and uh, we, we want to engage with you guys. We want to interact. Uh, we want you guys to also take notes and, and to, um, to share your thoughts and opinions on it. So as we read these, um, if there's anything that sticks out to you, if there's anything that stands out that maybe the Holy Spirit's laying on your heart, um, share it. Put in the comments. We're kind of monitoring, doing our best. To, we got you know a few things we're juggling here, but um, we're going to do our best to keep up with you guys. So uh, this morning... And before oh, you read real quick, I, what we want to do is I just want to have a very quick word of prayer. Mm. And like Jonathan said, we're going to read these scriptures. And we just want to ask God to allow us to hear his word but ultimately to listen for his voice. Okay, so I'm going to lead us in prayer. I want you to pray this at home as well. And then Jonathan's going to lead us through reading this. And like he said, as God brings things to your heart and attention as we're reading these scriptures, just share them in the comments as an encouragement. Maybe it's something that we could kind of key off of to have more discussion. So I'm going to, I'm going to lead us in that prayer. So Father, today we ask you to help us hear your word and to listen for your voice. We ask you to speak to us Show us what success looks like in the church. Show us, Lord, by the conviction of your Holy Spirit, where we are personally failing, where we may be succeeding as well. But at the end of this, God, what we want to do is we want to be more on mission and in line with what you have for us. And so we ask you to speak to us. We ask you to let your Holy Spirit guide our hearts as we listen to your word and talk about it this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, like Robbie said, we're going to start in John uh, chapter 20, verse 21. Uh, and so I'll go ahead and read it. It says, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So, uh, one of the things that we see here is that Jesus sent the disciples, right? He sends the church. We are a sent people. Um, you know, we've been working through the book of John for some small group stuff coming up and uh, one of the things that's kind of stood out to us and we've had multiple conversations on is how Jesus um, equipped the disciples, how he, he led them, how he, he trained them to be disciples. And that last stage, and we'll talk about it later on in the series, is, is releasing them, mm. is sending them. Um, and so that's, that's really the, the, the first call that we have is, is that we are sent out. We are a called people. Yeah, I think during the earthly ministry of Jesus, he was making disciples who he knew would one day be sent out to make disciples. And so he modeled what the life of, of a Christian should look like, right? Of compassion and love and following God and obeying his commands and, and, and living on mission. And so then he knew one day I'm going to send them out. So I've got to spend this time preparing for them. And what, what I've seen happen sometimes in churches is we become so focused on our own success in terms of ministry or whatever that we forget we're, we're training people to go out into all the world and, and to preach the gospel. In fact, so turn to Mark chapter 16 if you're following along in your Bible. Uh, Mark chapter 16, this is a second occasion when Jesus, and by the way, these are all post-resurrection. Jesus has been crucified and, and risen again. He's appeared to his disciples and he's, before he ascends to heaven, he's commissioning them. He's telling them what, what he is, is doing. And so in John 20, 
there are sent people. But Mark 16 and verse 15, he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And so in this commission, we find that we are called to proclaim and preach the gospel. And, and by the way, that's not just for a guy like me or you or Charles or other people that maybe feel called to ministry and to preach. The preaching of the gospel is just a proclamation. And that proclamation can be made from a pulpit, but it can be made from your cubicle, right? Yeah. Because the only way that you can reach the whole creation is if the gospel is preached not just in a building, but it's preached in all the world, right? It, it, it's going and doing it. Well, and I think, I think too, one of the things that we do uh, when we look at the New Testament, we look at the book of Acts, and we see from, uh, from the disciples, we, we see counts of like Peter preaching and mm -hmm. proclaiming. And as, a, as somebody with that gift, he's shown more in that light. But there were, there were 12 disciples. There were 11 that, yeah. that went on, and, and the Apostle Paul, and they all had different unique gifts mm -hmm. and they were all tasked with the job of proclaiming. The yeah, and when you look at those when you look at those proclamations of the gospel, it very rarely happened in a church service. Mm -hmm. You got Philip going down and he finds a man by a body of water yeah. reading the scripture and you know and and teaches him about Jesus and then baptizes him, right? You had Bible studies happening in the homes of Lydia. Yeah. You know, you had you had uh, Paul, you know, on Mars Hill proclaiming. I mean so the proclamation of the gospel, if it's gonna, I got goosebumps by the way, just thinking about that. Like the, if the gospel is gonna reach all of creation, then the gospel has to be proclaimed everywhere. And so it can't be confined necessarily to, to one place. In fact, that whole mindset of the world is, is in the next commission. So if you have your, uh, turn to Luke 24, that'll be the next instance of the commission. And again, we're gonna read Matthew 28, but I grew up in church thinking that the Great Commission was Matthew 28. Yeah. But what you really find is that in all of the Gospels and in the first part of the book of Acts, Jesus gives this commission five times uh, to the church. And so in Luke 24, this is one of my favorite um, versions of the, of the commission is when Jesus told his disciples in verse 46, this is written, excuse me, thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. So he tells them, this is where the gospel is going to begin. It's going to begin in Jerusalem, but it's to be proclaimed to all nations. And then notice verse 48, and you are witnesses of these things. And I love that. Just what the point that you made, Peter's the one that, you know, as the early leader of the church, and he's the one that's seen kind of as the public figure of that. But he tells them in that verse, you are all witnesses to his disciples, all of them. You, you are witnesses. And this gospel is going to begin at Jerusalem, but it's to be proclaimed to the nations. And so what you see there is that, that personal responsibility. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Well, but. and one of, one of the things, too, and just you know, I'll try to be quick on it, that I see is like that, that Jesus knew what was going to happen. We look, at, we look at it in hindsight and we talk about how um, you know, through persecution and stuff, the early church spread, but Jesus knew, he said, it's going to start in Jerusalem, but you're to go out. And he, mm. it, it, I mean, he obviously had a plan for everybody in place. Just like, you know, we've talked about how this year has pushed a lot of churches to, to online, to be able to reach more people, you know? And, and when you so, think about what we talked about earlier, the metrics of success, this lot, this year has obliterated that. Mm. We haven't been able to gather on Sundays. Yep. So are we successful as a church when we can't gather? Or we don't have a building where we can gather because the government shuts it down for a length of time. You know, those are all things. I think that this year has 
caused me personally to even rethink that and understand yeah. like what does winning look like for us when when the ability to gather had been taken away for some time and for us for for months what does success look like and i think gathering is important it is but it's not the metric that should supersede or, or transcend all the others no, right so okay good. so acts 1 8 um, we'll go to the ne- that one next and jonathan will kind of take the lead on that one <clears throat> well, that's smart <laughs> no, but again in this one you're going to see you know the same principle of the gospel is to reach the nations and the only way for you know for that to really happen is if we're intentional about it so acts chapter 1 and verse 8 is what we'll read it says but you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses uh in jerusalem and in all judea and samaria and to the end of the earth um so I mean, again, we see here just that that idea that it, it it wasn't just for a certain group of people. They weren't supposed to just stay in their area and reach those people that they knew. They were supposed to go out. They were supposed to go to the ends of the earth, uh, proclaiming. Yeah, and remember, yeah, and I like what uh, Ryan talking about. Ryan Evans had commented, like you know, com- community impact and reach. Like if we really measure the success of the Jerusalem Church. They made an impact on their community. I mean, the message of the gospel just transformed people's lives. I mean, it, it was just reaching and infiltrating that entire city. I mean, yeah. it's, it's crazy to think about that. But but what I see, and we've been asking you guys to kind of share your, your thoughts. One of the thoughts that just popped in my mind at the first part of verse 8, you will receive power. Mm. He tells his disciples, I'm not going to leave you to do this on your own strength. Yeah. But he promises, I will give you the power to do it. And I think that's a promise for us too. I'll be with you always, right? We've been empowered by God to do this. Yeah, and, and when we when we talk about what our part is in the Great Commission, uh, I mean, this is a great example because immediately following Jesus' death, they didn't they didn't go out on mission right away. <laughs> they went fishing. <laughs> they, they, they went fishing. Uh, he reappears. They go hide in the upper room, mm-hmm. and, and they're scared. And... Um, you know, I mean, Jesus had just been crucified, and what if, you know, they were his followers? And so uh, you find them in the upper room, and it isn't until the Holy Spirit comes uh, that they are empowered to go in and spread the gospel. And Jesus promises us that we have that same power. So um, it, it's not about relying on us and our power. It's about relying on God and his to share the gospel. No, that's um, a good word. Yeah. And so we want to we wanna kind of wrap up by looking at Matthew uh, 28, 19 through 20. So if you have your Bible, turn there. Now, now don't don't lie. Don't don't give them false hope. We're just wrapping up this section. Sorry, this yeah, ain't wrapping yeah. up. <laughs> no, we've got this is taking. Don't be one. crazy. Yeah, exactly. Because no. you know I've been accused of that, like by you maybe last week. You know, no, you didn't. But Whew. you know, the worst words you can hear from a pastor is you know, and and to close, you know, wrap this up, and then they preach like another thirty minutes. So that's Robbie. Uh, <laughs> no, so. Um, let's go ahead and read that together and then we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the, uh, to the end of the age. Excuse me. So with these commissions, these are some key ideas. And maybe you can write these out real quick. Just, just. Three main ideas that kind of pop out. The first one is go. We're a sent people, and he says there in verse 19 to go, right? So there's some action. The second part, 
proclaim the good news, right? Preach the gospel to all the nations, you know, go out and, and preach repentance and forgiveness of sin. So there's a proclamation, but then there's the call in all of that to make disciples. And ultimately, when we look at the commission of Jesus and we hear his words, what Jesus is saying is, this is the mission of the church. Go, proclaim the good news about Jesus and make disciples. And I've seen, and, and even, you know, when we talk about um, the church, I've heard it put this way, that a church is like an airplane. There's two wings, right? One wing is evangelism and one wing is discipleship. And if your church is, is too, you know, puts too much emphasis just on evangelism, going out and proclaiming the good news to the lost, which is important because they need it, but you don't make disciples, how well is your plane going to fly? And I've seen that a lot, even in, in my own ministry, that we can put an emphasis on leading people to Christ and getting them baptized, and that's important. But the commission is both. Go, proclaim the good news of Jesus, but then make disciples, right? And that was a part of our discussion of the church when we launched. For sure, on. for sure. And, and, and there are even times where, you know, Robbie definitely has the gifting more of evangelism. Yeah. And I feel like my gifting is more with discipleship. And our, our desire to do things can be driven by that. And it can kind of mm -hmm. lead to, to some unbalance, right? But when you, and, and you use the analogy of the plane, when we fly a plane, we don't say, well, we're going to fly with the left wing today or we don't fly with the, yeah. it's the whole thing. And, and what yeah. we've kind of done in Christianity, and it's crazy, is we've compartmentalized everything uh, be based on gifting and, and all that kind of stuff. But a disciple maker is an evangelist. A disciple maker is a disciple maker. A disciple maker is a missionary, right? And it's a church planner. I mean, you're doing all of those things when you're making disciples. And then the other side of that is, is an evangelist is a disciple maker, right? I mean, yeah. it, it needs to be both. Even though you might have a certain gifting or propensity toward maybe one side of that, really we need to both be, we need to be pursuing both. And that's something God's been showing me is that just like you said, I, I love seeing people come to faith in Christ and, and to see their, the light turn on spiritually for them and baptize them. But I, I, I fall short sometimes with the discipling and really doing what, what Jesus calls us to do. So, so we talked about early on in our church that our vision, we, we had, when we planted this church, we, we struggled through and worked through, that, worked through these commissions and came up with a vision statement, right? And that vision statement was, we are going to lead people to find and follow Jesus. And that's the vision of Village Park. So we want you to take a moment. We want you to write that out because you're going to need it in a moment. Write out our vision statement. And that is to lead people to find and follow Jesus. So write it in the comments so we know you're, you're engaging with us. But also write it down where you can see it. Maybe on your phone if you're not using it for the stream. Or maybe grab a piece of paper. Our vision is to lead people to find and follow Jesus. And we want to talk through that for a moment. We want you to see how the commission kind of impacts that. And we've talked about that as God's brought us through, you know, six years as a church, it there may be a time, that's been our vision statement from the beginning, yeah. but God might refine this a little bit sure. to, to make it more direct about our disciple-making movement. Um, and so there's some stuff that we might need to work on with that. But, but right now, our vision is to lead people to find and follow Jesus. And we might tweak that some, but the principle is the same. Whatever the vision statement is, it's to fulfill the Great well, Commission. And, and I think any church that, that's a, a biblical church, their mission statement is going to be taken from the Great Commission. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's church planning 101, right? right. Just uh, that's the mission. That's what we're here to do. So, yeah, 
if anything, the only way, the only reason that we would change it is to make it more centered around the Great Commission. Right? Yeah, that, that's perfect. And and so I see some of you writing it down. Our vision is to lead people to find and follow Jesus. So we're going to work through that just, and we'll try to move through these pretty quickly. Um, the word lead, we use that to kind of show the word go. It, it's personal responsibility. This is a commission for the church. Our commission that Jesus gave to his disciples is still the same for our church. Our commission is to go and make disciples. And so when we think about the church, the church is not a building. The church is not property, right? Our church trailer was stolen last week. Well, our church wasn't stolen. Yeah. Our property was, right? And and Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, now you are the body of Christ. And so every person that's a part of Village Park, you are the church. You are the body of Christ. So the church is not something you go to. The church is not something that you attend. The church is not a building. And I know that kind of has become our vernacular that's how we we kind of refer to the church as i'm going to church jesus said you are the body of christ you are witnesses of these things now go and make disciples and i love romans chapter 10 and verse 14 how beautiful are the feet of them that take the gospel or preach the gospel of good news you know all of us have a personal responsibility and i think that that this is where sometimes we can fall short as a church mm -hmm. um and so i want you to remember this statement okay the message will not reach its intended audience without an intentional messenger. And I think one of the reasons that, that it's not maybe reaching our culture as well as we could is because we're, as God's people, not being as intentional yeah. with the message. And seeing, if I'm going to lead people to find and follow Jesus, it's not just the pastor's job to lead people. It's my job. Every single day, I'm the body of Christ, and so I'm going to do something to lead others to find him. So, and, and you said um, it's intended audience without an intentional messenger. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the examples like we've been talking about, we're, we're looking at Jesus's ministry here on earth. And there are, there are passages where we see um, thousands of people flocking around Jesus to, to hear the message. And it could be very easy for Jesus to, or for us, not for Jesus, but for us to say, why are you not doing more with that? I mean, you, mm -hmm. you can establish the church, right? The Sunday morning, Yeah. here we go, we've got 5,000 yeah. members, that's success, right? Um, then you got to feed them, though, you know, like he he's, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got that one, too. Uh, but, but that wasn't his focus at all. I mean, in, in some ways, he tries to escape them, right? Mm -hmm. um, in some ways, um, he, he tells people, it's, it's crazy, he, he even tells people, like, don't, don't share. Yeah who I am. Don't tell them who I Don't am. Don't tell them. Yeah. You know, and we, we hear that and we're like, wait, what? But but he was intentional with, with 12 men and he spent three years with them and then he was even more intentional with three of them, right? And we, we see that example. Uh, we talked earlier about how he, it was obvious that he had a plan from the beginning when he's, when he's giving that. And so um, one of the things that I think has happened to us is we can... It, we're, we're so connected now with social media and with everything, mm -hmm. but uh, honestly, we're, we're not, there's not enough hours in the day to connect with as many people as we would like to. And that, that's a hard, yeah. that's a hard truth, right? Um, I would love to be best friends with everybody, but you, you just can't, you don't have enough hours. And so are you my best friend? <laughs> I'm not going to snuggle with you. If that's what you're, uh, no, you're, you're my best friend. Uh, so we, we have, limited time and we are called to be intentional leaders just like Jesus was right 
And so what we want to do is when we, when we say lead people, uh, we want to think about who those people are, mm. right? And we need to understand that, that God has given us um, kind of spheres of influence, right? He's given us um, these responsibilities over certain groups of people. And yeah. so uh, this morning, what, what I'd like you to do is, is take a second, and as I kind of go through these, maybe, uh, maybe share, um, like, God has called me to lead my family, right? God has called me to lead my spouse, uh, God yeah. has called me. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, because like you're saying, it's about people. Yeah. And it's easy for us to take like a statement like that. Our vision is to lead people to find and follow Jesus and say, yeah, Village Park, we're supposed to lead people to find and follow Jesus. But what is that? If you're the body of Christ, who are the people mm -hmm. that God has given you to influence? Think about that. Like how many spheres of influence do we have? You know, we've got our family, we got our neighbors, we got our, you know, friends, we have coworkers, you know, classmates. I mean, God places us in these different places where we can ultimately make an impact, right? And so just like you said, it's it's uh, and it's and the idea of, okay, Village Park exists to lead people to find and follow Jesus. Well, let's make it personal. Village Park exists so that Robbie can lead Leslie, Luke, Noah, Adam, and Ellie to follow Jesus. Start with my family. And then Robbie, you know, is a part of Village Park, and he exists to lead his neighbors, right? And name those neighbors, right? These are the neighbors that God has placed in my life. And when you begin to think about it, the potential to make an impact for the gospel is tremendous because every person that's listening to this, all of you, you have spheres of influence that I will never have. And so sometimes people will come and say, hey, I've got a friend that needs to know about Jesus. Would you come talk to him? And I'm always willing to share, yeah. but I'm like, God place you mm -hmm. in that sphere of influence. So you make the impact, right? So, um, so lead people and then find, right? Yeah. It's about people finding Jesus. And that's what we call the conversion experience. And I know that we're kind of pressed for time, so we'll kind of push through this. But um, one of the things that I want to share with you is that you can't lead someone to find a place where you haven't been yourself. Yeah. It'd be like me writing a book. I've never broken my arm in my life. And it'd be like me writing a book saying, let me tell you what it's like to break your arm. That It doesn't work like that because I... I I've never been at that place. So I can't lead them to that place. And when Les and I, I've talked about it before, when we were preparing for adoption, that uh, Dr. Karen Purvis from the Texas uh, Christian University Childhood Institute uh, was giving some instruction. And she said, you can't lead a place to a child to a place of healing that you haven't been to yourself. And that, that applies in so many facets of our lives. We can't lead people to find Jesus if we've never found him, right? If, if I don't have a personal encounter with him. And that's, you know, maybe some of you have never had that, like, like, that you need to know the, the love of God for you and that Jesus sent uh, Jesus was sent to the world to die on the cross for your sins, right? And we all have a story. We all have a story of how we met Jesus, but we can't lead people to find Jesus if we don't have that experience ourselves, right? And, yeah, and I, and I want to take that and then flip it too and say, so you can't lead somebody to where you haven't been, but you can lead somebody to where you have been, yeah. right? And, and one of the things as we as we kind of enter into this phase of discipleship and, and really focus there, um, it starts here. Um, it starts with the two of us. Um, it starts with those that have gone through the discipleship, but it, but it also starts with you. And I know that there's going to be times where it feels like um, maybe I'm not ready for that, or maybe I need to talk with Robbie or Jonathan first, right? Um, but you can, you can do this without us. You don't need to wait on us 
uh, to lead somebody to Christ, right? And so what we want to do is give you kind of, a, I know we're, we're uh, pressed on time, but I want to give you just kind of a, a practical way to do that. So uh, one is just to learn, your, learn to share your story in three parts, right? So um, the first part is this, who I was without Jesus, right? And so for me, my story is, um, it, it might be different than yours. I was actually raised in church. Um, that doesn't mean that I've known Jesus my entire life. Um, I, I didn't get saved until I was 14, um, but, but I, I kind of grew up um, leaning on more my works and who I was as a person and just knowledge, really, um, instead of that personal relationship. So before uh, Christ, I think I was, I was prideful. I was um, uh, leaning on the wrong things, right? And so the second part of that is how I met Jesus. So my parents uh, were, were great examples for me. Um, both of them and my dad just and through through conversations with him um, you know he encouraged me to question he encouraged me to to um, explore and uh, he was always there to kind of guide me and lead me and I just remember one night uh, finally just kind of having uh, enough of that inner wrestling and 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 really talking with him and, and uh, him pushing me to um, have that relationship and explaining what that what that means, and that night I, I accepted Christ, um, and now this is who I am with Jesus. So I, I still, uh, I still battle some of that stuff. I can still rely on on knowledge. Uh, I can be kind of a prideful person at times. Uh, there are things like that. I, I roast Robbie too much, right? Uh, no, um, but uh, Jesus has has saved me. He's and, and there is, um, gosh, there there is no better feeling than having that relationship with Him, and and there's. There's been so many countless things since I've been saved that go through that. Without Christ, I mean, there would have been no hope. Um, and and he's, he's overcome all the suffering and, and all that. Yeah, and I think Jonathan sharing his story, he, he is the example, an example, I should say, of, of both sides of the airplane. He shares his story. This is how I came to faith in Christ, you know, and who I was before Jesus. Then I met Jesus. And then this is what my life has been like after Jesus. And, and Jonathan has pursued Christ. He, he pursues Christ. I see Sorry, your some of the comments are cracking me up. <laughs> they are so good. So, but it's not just finding Jesus. Like it, it wasn't enough to just say, hey, Jonathan, let me tell you about Christ. And Jonathan places his faith in Christ and say, okay, good luck. No, it's then to pursue Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. The commission you read earlier, when Jesus said in Matthew 28, he said, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And that's where we get the word follow, to lead people to find. Yeah. Jonathan found Jesus and now Jonathan is following Jesus. And I remember having a conversation years ago with Jeff, and you and I have had a conversation. Jeff Williams is a good friend of mine, pastor at Portico Church. And he said, you know, what if we took that commission literally? Like, what if we truly discipled people to hear the commands of Jesus and then to follow him? And so we've tried to, we're going to be putting a, a strategy in place with small groups. I want to talk about that for just a moment. We see our role is to teach people the word of God and what it means to follow Jesus. So in our small groups, we actually have a seven-year commitment right now that we are going to teach the church the entire Bible in seven years through discussions in our small group. And we're going to do it by stories. There's various encounters throughout the Bible. And so here's what our plan is. For four years, we're going to spend in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's teaching them to observe everything that Jesus commanded them directly. And so we'll look at the various stories, the woman at the well. We'll look at um, you know the story of Lazarus and, and the, the fish and you know, feeding the 5,000, all of those kind of things. We'll look at all those stories from all the Gospels, and then we'll spend two years of kind of looking at the stories of the Old Testament and then one 
uh, one year of the New Testament, the other books after the Gospels. And the reason, the purpose behind that is for us to truly do what Jesus said, and that's to teach them to observe everything that Jesus commanded. And so we, we want you to be engaged in small groups. As we, if we start launching our discipleship, small groups are going to be really important because in that, as a church, we are going to journey together through books. And each lesson will kind of stand on its own. And so in the past, we've kind of done a semester-based approach where you start in a certain point. But what we want to do is that discipleship is life. It, you know, we don't disciple people based on semesters. It's continuous. That doesn't mean we're going to meet every single week. But with our small groups, our plan is to teach them the entire Bible in seven years. So if a person doesn't join our church for another nine months, they can pick up right there and we'll disciple them. And then they're going to come back and pick up what they've missed. And so I'm really excited about, about that opportunity. But Jesus has commands and then we have a choice. Do we obey them or not? And what we have to realize is that a lot of discipleship is about modeling that. It's about living life. It's not about, and Charles had asked earlier and kind of, you know, mentioned, it's not about reading a book. It's not about going through a book and saying, if I've done this, then I'm discipled. No, it's really about modeling it. And I've thought a lot about our friend Gato Oscar Guzman. He's a member of our church and just really precious people, love them to death. And one of the things I love, Gato started a tire shop. He's got his own business. And so, um, and by the way, you should, you should go there. He does great work. But the thing I love about Gato, when he, when he's talking about his tire shop, he'll post up on social media and he'll bring his nephews or, you know, younger people there to the shop. And what he does is he teaches them to work and teaches them to work. And what he's doing is he's modeling by his own example, what it means to work, but then he's showing someone else who's coming up behind him. This is what it means to, to do this kind of work, teaching them a trade. And in, that is really what discipleship is. Discipleship is realizing like God has placed me in these spheres of influence and I don't have to look for a church program. I can do it every single day with my family, with my neighbors, with my friends, coworkers. All of us are called to make disciples, right? It's not just about one person. It's not just about doing it in a church service. It's every moment of every day modeling what Jesus, you know, taught us. Yeah. And, um, and, and again, like we've kind of said, like we're putting this in place. It starts small, right? Uh, we're going to be intentional. We're going to, we're going to roll this out, but you don't have to wait. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, one of the reasons that we're doing these videos and we, we really felt uh, called to do these, this series, um, is to kind of give you the basics so that you can go and do this. You can go get in the word, uh, and start studying. If, if you, if you want to have a conversation, if you want to learn a little bit more, reach out to us and we can get you what materials and yeah. those kind of things. Uh, but yeah, you don't and have I, to wait. And I've thought about this because I've been guilty of this and, and we will wrap it up here. Yeah. This will be our real quick. Is, I told him we needed a target like 20 minutes. And here we are. Um, I have found myself in this shutdown at times being consumed with meeting. Mm. When can we be together? Because our hearts long for community and being together. And, I, and it is, it's vital to the church to be able to meet. But we can't be so consumed with resuming meetings that we neglect our mission. The mission is what's most important. And so the church in this time hasn't been closed. We've talked about it. The church is on mission. But we're not about generating crowds. We're about making disciples. That's how we would measure success. We define success as a church by are we leading people to find Jesus, reach them with the gospel, but then teaching them to follow him. And so our desire with all of this is to, to do that. And at the end of our lives, I've, I, what I've taken great comfort in is that God's not going to look at our church and say, Robbie, Jonathan, Charles, other leaders of the church, 
you were more successful than this church that had fewer attendees, yeah. or you were less successful than this church that had more attendees or more property and all those different metrics, he's going to say, what did you do with the people that we gave you? Did you, did you live out your faith and make disciples the way that I've called you to? And so what we want to do is we, we want this to kind of be a, a kickstart for us. How do we define winning? Are we on mission for me? It's, are we doing what Jesus said? Are we leading people to find and follow Jesus? That's how we will measure it. And some of those other things might come, you know, crowds grow and we see more people or whatever. And maybe God would one day give us a property and building, whatever, whatever yeah. God has for us. But it, even if until the day Jesus returns or I draw my last breath, I never own, we never own as a church property. We're still on, can be successful by being on mission. That's really ultimately what it's all about. So I want to pray that after the prayer, we, we want to talk about a few things, a few details for this evening and, and going forward. So let me, let me lead us in prayer. Father, uh, we confess that at times we're guilty of, of measuring success by the wrong standards. And so we ask that today you've renewed our vision to see that we are on mission with you to go and make disciples. And give us all a burning desire to make disciples, Lord. Use us to make an impact on those around us. Help us to see the spheres of influence that we have. And that we would lead our neighbors and lead our families and lead our co-workers and classmates and friends to find and follow Jesus. And we ask you to use us in that, God. Empower us to do it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.